Welcome to the Homeland Heroes Salute, a podcast dedicated to sharing stories to heal and honor our heroes. We are your hosts, Bill Taub and Dave Tilly. Dave, I'm very happy to be co-hosting this podcast with you. This is really going to be a great series. And this being November, of course, the highlight of November is Thanksgiving. And we've talked about this, you and I, and, you know, we think about New, in New Hampshire, we've lost 93 soldiers in the war on terror, right? That's 93 soldiers that graduated high school, you know, went to Camp Lejeune or one of the other camps, found their way, you know, to Afghanistan or Iraq, sometimes on their first deployment, some of them were on their fifth or sixth deployment, and were killed in action, a lot of them killed in combat. And, you know, I can't help thinking every time we get to Thanksgiving, there are gold star families or gold star mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters, you know, who are looking at that empty spot and they will never be able to celebrate Thanksgiving with them. And I don't know, that always sort of gets me, Dave, I'm sure it gets you as well. Absolutely, Phil. And and we know um, in the Granite State, many of those families, those gold star families personally. And, um, and and as you mentioned, just just the feeling of loss around the Thanksgiving table of those that won't be with their families because they gave the ultimate sacrifice, but also so many um, families that have their loved ones on a deployment, on a mission overseas, and aren't able to spend that time uh, with their families, things that uh, many of us take for granted um, every Thanksgiving holiday. And that's why, especially during this season, it's something that we must recognize and appreciate and be grateful and give prayers over the Thanksgiving table for those veterans lost, those veterans on deployments, and and the, our military families and those that put themselves at harm's way every day. And Dave, you said the word sacrifice. You know that that's a big word that always resonates with me and my family, right? The sacrifice, not just of the soldiers. And and look, I mean, some of the some of the soldiers. This is what they signed up for. This is what they want to do. This is how they want to spend their life. But their families didn't sign up for that, right? And this the sacrifice of the families and then, of course, the soldiers that that have lost limbs, that have suffered, you know, mental health issues, that maybe gave gave their life in, in service of our country. And I think about, I sort of reflect on my own family and my own life. I, as you know, Dave, I did not serve. And, uh, you know, I don't, feel like I've sacrificed anything, you know, for our country. And so that's in my family, that's a big thing, you know, honoring that sacrifice every chance we get. Now, in your case, you know, you you have served our country and thank you for that. And you come from a family of service. Um, but love to hear, you know, why you spend so much time in your life helping veterans, because there's a lot of things you could be doing. I don't think it's as obvious as because you serve, right? Yeah, well, th- thank you, Phil. Th- thank you, too, for everything that you and Julie 
do and, and your incredible passion on helping uh, and putting in so many hours helping our veterans uh, in, in every possible way. And I mean, a little bit of, um, you know, my story and passion on it, I, as you know, I grew up uh, the son of a Air Force veteran and he, um, you know, and, and you touched upon the sacrifice that families give my, you know, the, my second and third year of age, uh, my father was in Vietnam. Um, my mom was home. My grandparents were helping her with a young son, me, and dad was uh, in Vietnam in a, in a war zone. And so there is, is quite a, a family commitment, and it's something that's um, been a part of my life uh, early on uh, growing up uh, right around uh, the Air Force Base, Griffiths Air Force Base in Rome, New York, was my community all the way through uh, beyond high school. And uh, so it, it touched me personally on, on wanting to serve myself uh, through dad's service and, and what I grew up around, but also every day um, want, wanting to also give give back to other veterans and, and our service members as well. And so that's that's really been, you know, part of my early passion and, and why I wanted to serve myself. And Phil, you, you touched upon too your passion in, in this as well. And really, I, I can't think of uh, many people in the state that has done so much in such a short period of time to help our veterans community through fundraising, through programming, through getting the word out about all the vast um, different programs helping veterans that are available out there. And um, and just uh, I'm impressed on that, Phil, and what really uh, kind of sparked that energy for you, if you could even talk a little more to that. Yeah, I'd be very happy to. And hopefully somebody listening who's not already out there helping veterans or really just helping in our community generally, maybe, maybe this will help inspire it. But I'll, I'll give you a little bit of this. So we go back to just over five years ago. Uh, it was around the time of what was then, you know, primary season and New Hampshire being first in the nation. We obviously get a lot of attention from lots of national candidates. And there was one in particular um, who I, I was quite interested in. And my wife and I met with a few times and he was very passionate, still is about veterans and at that point in time in my life and in, in my wife, Julie's life, we have been, we were sitting on the boards of a number of not-for-profits. We had helped, you know, in a number of places in the community. We always sort of felt like that. We followed other role models. We felt like it was important to give back to our community because we're so blessed. And, but nothing for veterans, Dave, you know, it would, it had been children and education and, uh, you know, helping animals and all that kind of stuff. No veterans, but you know, this this political candidate took us to VFW halls and American Legions, and we started meeting veterans. I'd actually never been to a VFW hall or an American Legion in New Hampshire. Started wow. talking to veterans, just started asking them questions like, 
you, you know, you know, what's life like for you and what are you dealing with? And I got to say, I was shocked. I was shocked with the answers uh, that we got. I, you know, most of the veterans that I've met were like you, Dave, you know, very successful, doing great, not, not really needing, you know, sort of any help. And, uh, you know, I just sort of hadn't been exposed. I didn't realize how large the veteran community in New Hampshire, you know, is right. And, and the different pieces of it. And so we started to get into it and we quickly realized that we've got to find a way to strengthen the veteran service organizations mm -hmm. that serve right our community, right? One of which you were involved in with now, Harbor Care. Um, and I, I got to tell, let me just tell you a quick story. So, so five years ago, we put together what we thought would be the small fundraising event, Swim with a Mission at Newfound Lake. And it's a story for another day, but you know, I ran into a group of Navy SEALs. We invited them to come up. And we put on this awesome swim event with this group of Navy SEALs. I mean, it really was, was a very special day. And and we're, we're at Swim of the Mission, you know, five years ago. We're at this very cool event. And I have this group of Navy SEALs and they're all kitted up. They're in camo and, you know, they have, they have rifles with them. They're not loaded. Kids are, are, you know, taking pictures. It's really quite moving. And Alex Ray is there, right? Who is a, yeah. Alex Ray, as you know, from the common man, big supporter of veterans, always has been involved in Boulder Point with Harbor, with Harbor Care up in Plymouth. And uh, he's there feeding this, this crowd of swimmers and, and, and there's, we were expecting 300 spectators. We had 1,500 spectators, and it was a long line. And we'd invited the SEALs to do a demonstration, right? They're going to jump out of a helicopter, right, and parachute in. And then some of them were going to fast rope out with their dogs. crowd was getting excited. And two of the Navy SEALs came to me and said, hey, Phil, you know, we're really hungry. There's a long line. Any chance we could cut the line and get some food just before we jump? I'm like, of course. So I take these two guys, these two seals, all kitted up. You know, they got long beards and long hair. Um, and both of them recently retired, but they look like they're still on the teams. And I take them through the line and people are giving them high fives and, you know, saying thank you for your service. It's really cool. And we come upon Alex Ray, and I'm, I'm asking Alex if you can give them some food. And there's a woman there who I've never met before who looks like she's like in her early 60s. And she had just shown up that day, and we needed volunteers to help cook. And she said, hey, I'll do it. And she'd been cooking all day behind the grill. Incredible. Right? And she, Incredible. When she, she, when she saw me with the two seals, she came up from behind the line and she was holding up a phone and there was a picture of a of a of a guy in a helmet and all kitted up all in black looked like he was standing in a plane about to parachute and she was crying dave and she walked up to the two seals and she said she well she held it up right and the one of the guys looked at the picture and said oh seal teammates and then she started you know really sobbing and they both hugged her and she said, she sort of got a composure and she said, this, this is my son. He's a Navy SEAL and I haven't heard from him in two months and I don't know where in the world he is. And one of the SEALs without missing a beat said, ma'am, he's fine. He's with his team brothers. And she kind of looked at him and she kind of got it. 
and they hugged and she walked away again. Right. Incredible. And I look, I looked at the seal and I'm like, wow, that was a really nice thing to say. And he was like, what? He's fine. He's with these team brothers. And at that moment, I realized the level of emotion, right? That I realized that she came that day. This is a first time event. Nobody ever heard about it. She came that day looking for that little connect, right? Obviously, these guys didn't know her son, but she, her family sacrificed, her son sacrificed. It was the first sort of glimpse I got, right? And I realized, wow, this really matters what we're doing, you know? So that was my first introduction to, you know, really, we got to give back. We've got to do something to honor the service. Well, that's right. And that that's what this podcast is all about. I mean, why do we honor our veterans? I mean, for me, that, that's a obvious answer to that. Um, you know, our veterans and their families every single day when they volunteer uh, to join our armed forces, put their lives at risk daily uh, for the potential on being on a deployment to training exercises. Uh, they sacrifice countless hours. When you're in the service, you don't have your own schedule. If if they call you and and you're you've got to go to the headquarters at 5 a.m. You're there at 5 a.m. You're there at 3 a.m. And you know, as to the the why why we uh, honor them, I think that that's uh, obvious. You know, <laughs> I, I, they they do so much for us for our country for our freedom and but how we honor them back i, I mean phil what, what you're doing is in absolutely incredible and we but we see things like that um every day on how folks are honoring our veterans back i saw it today with uh, as i mentioned my father's a vietnam era veteran uh and uh 90 years old uh, at the time of this podcast. And uh, he, he wore his B-52 bomber cap today and at least two or three times folks saying, thank you for your service. And it, it's a very small thing, but it's a very big thing. Um, I know how much it touches him personally every time he sees it. You never, you ne never get uh, tired of hearing it, you know? And yeah. but then but then there's so so many other other ways and um, and you know this through all the great supportive programs that have been been created for the uh, unique challenges our veterans face when they uh, exit service or um, exit coming back from a conflict whether it's just uh, something. I say just, but it's it's big the change, uh, reintegrating from a non-military uh, um, community, and and role into civilian life, but uh, it's as big as service-connected related disabilities um, or. Uh, 
post-traumatic stress or you know other challenges that a that a vet faces back and and we we see through um you know our our passions all these tremendous uh folks that are are giving and caring about our veterans that you know we both see uh and i know a lot of our listeners see just uh, every day, and it's very uh, heartwarming. It really is. It really is. I mean, it's easy for you to understand because you have lived that life, right? You you have lived that life as the son of a veteran, yourself in the military, right? You know, you know a lot of folks from your time in service, right? And uh, for for me, having not served, right, it, it has been a like a learning process. And I'm, I'm sure I don't totally understand it now. The, until you've walked in somebody else's shoes, it is hard to understand. And, you know, it's easy to say our freedom is not free, right? There's, there's lots of these sort of phrases. I say them all the time to try to, you know, help people understand the level of the sacrifice. Right. Um, but I think there's a, there's something there, you know, that, we got to keep working on, right, to educate the public because it's obviously such a small percentage of our larger population that's served that folks, you know, in their daily lives, you know, just whether they're working hard or, you know, distracted by social media or whatever. It's very, it's easy to ignore the sacrifice, to not understand, you know. And I, I spend a lot of time, asking questions to veterans, Dave, and to listening so that I can, you know, myself tell, tell stories. I mean, some stories can't be told, right? Obviously things are secret. We have veterans not comfortable speaking, but you know, there are enough stories that can be told. Right. And, and I wish I could make a movie, you know, I wish I had the money to, to shoot a movie, you know, whether it's like, you know, the secret soldiers of Benghazi, 13 hours to Benghazi, you know, and if folks haven't seen that movie, it, it's one of the better ones, right? Uh, you know, a movie like Lone Survivor, for example, that's a really tough story to comprehend, but you get an idea of what it's like to be in the fight, you know, and, uh, and, and that level of sort of sacrifice and all the stuff that comes after that. I wish there was a way to, to tell these stories better, but we'll keep, we'll keep working on that. And, what we've tried to do in my family is to, to be that pebble in the pond, right? Uh, if you can throw the pebble in and, and sort of create that ripple effect uh, and change sort of one veteran's life at a time, you know, by a service dog, for example, or, or getting them into a homeless shelter or an equine immersion program, right? Or an art therapy program, you know, you're affecting a lot of people's lives, right? Just sort of, sort of one at a time. That's right. That's right. And um, I'm, I'm thinking you've got me thinking even more about some of the, the just the wonderful uh, programs that have come about to help uh, veterans from the, you know, the equestrian uh, efforts and the outward bound programs to help help vets often with um post-traumatic stress and uh, to vocational rehab to uh, we, I, I was, uh, and, and this was through, through you reminding me, Phil, of uh, 
Northeast Delta Dental, what they were, the, what they've been doing to try to help our vets with, uh, you know, dental needs. We we had a number of veterans now that are being helped from that program who had experienced uh, homelessness and now are getting uh, uh, much needed uh, dental assistance. And, uh, you know, on, on the giving back, we could, uh, and, and I'm sure we will be doing many episodes of this uh, podcast, just highlighting some of these great uh, programs, initiatives, and, and people that uh, have been inspired and, and rose to the occasion to help our vets in different ways. That's a good point, and, and you're exactly right, right? We hope in the course of this podcast, you know, to help folks understand if you haven't served, what you'd like to serve, right? And what motivates a person to join the service? And, you know, then what is life like in the service? And then what is life like after the service? And some of the stories, you know, are the, the stuff of legends, you know, legendary careers. Some of them are not as glamorous. But the sacrifice is still, you know, very, very great, right? Um, we have a book that, as you know, David, some of the mission is working on. It's it profiles fifty veterans in in New Hampshire. You know, from each of the branches, you know, uh, different ranks. We have offices and you know, listed men and women. You know, folks that served in sort of every era that is still alive. So obviously World War II, you know, forward to the war on terror. And, you know, you, you know, we have veterans who uh, like General Bulldog, for example, you know, saw as a private, became a general, uh, you know, had had a, survived a friendly fire, helicopter crashes, you know, many deployments, probably I'm thinking like 14 deployments, you know, in combat. You know, but what also gets me is, you know, we talked to one veteran, Dave, who who spent his career, he says, making water on a nuclear submarine, right? Not as not as glamorous as as, you know, maybe chasing our enemies through the mountains in Afghanistan, but still very, very important job. And, you know, he tells a story about sometimes they would submerge for a month at a time. And obviously then they couldn't have any contact back home. And one of the times they surfaced and were able to make a call back home, he found out that his young daughter uh, was very, very sick. And they, they literally weren't sure if she was going to survive. <laughs> and he had to hang up the phone knowing that he was now going to be submerged for a month. And when they came back up, he was not going to know until that moment if his daughter had survived or not. And there was nothing he could do about that, right? And so for a month, you know, he's in a submarine and, you know, cramped quarters, no privacy. And he's, that's just in his mind for a month, right? I mean, that's, to me, that sounds like torture, uh, you know, and, and thankfully the story ends well when he surfaced, his daughter actually had made a very good recovery. But to me, that's sacrifice, right? And that that's something, you know, I've not done and, uh, you know, the majority of our population have has not made that kind of sacrifice. No, and that that's a tremendous point. I, I know myself many that um, have been deployed 
or even on an extended uh, field exercise and they've got real problems at home that they can't uh, personally attend to. Uh, it's maybe a little easier at times now if your service uh, situation allows you to use a smartphone. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> for many previous veterans, there there wasn't even that availability to uh, to communicate with your family, and and still aren't in in many cases. Yeah, I know you mentioned Phil that like when I I grew around grew up around the military with my father being in the service and so many friends in it. But even then, it's uh, quite a big difference from when you're you yourself are actually in and actually feel the gravitas of even in training that one of your service member uh, comrades, uh, your your lives are in each other's hands, you know, in way of uh, uh, potential missions. Uh, you get the the notices that, um, in in my case, during my time in uh, Gravitas was, I was off at language school, and we, you know interrupted programming because uh, we were engaged. Uh, the U.S. military was going to be engaged over in Somalia. And so we didn't know what that meant or if any of us might be on call. But, you know, your heart stops a little where the gravitas of, you know, what you signed up for sinks in. Or um, and, and service members ha have this um all the time you know are, are you going to be deployed is your unit being deployed maybe um half your um <laughs> you know the area that you're stationed is going on a deployment um and it's um you know the drawing of the straws if you end up the one selected to be sent over or not uh and and that's stuff that um that well, uh, you know, we we can appreciate on the outside um, for folks who hadn't served, or in, in my case, even who was uh, uh, a dependent. But uh, but that that feeling a service member uh, feels and, and the things that they're going through. And, and that's not even to speak of uh, then actually deploying and being in a war zone. So their um, sacrifices are just uh, profound on, on so many levels to me. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, you know, I, I have been very impressed with this feeling of, you know, a sense of purpose, right? Mm -hmm. you know, or for you and others that have served this purpose of something larger than yourself, you know, and at the same time, and you touched on this, this feeling of being part of a very special team that you're in each other's hands, right? You know, that sort of, that, that sort of, you know, team first mindset, 
you know, that, that sense of purpose, right, is something that's very hard to find in the civilian world, right? I mean, you can see it in sports, right? Your kid growing up, or maybe you were lucky enough to make it to, you know, professional sports, right? And you feel like you're part of the team in the locker room, right? I'm not sure that sense of purpose is really there, but at least you get a glimpse of it. Uh, you know, the, the world that I work in in my day job as an M&A lawyer is a very different world. It's a Wall Street world, right? That's a, that's a materialistic world. It's a world you know, where there's a lot of people, you know, driven by their motivation is money, you know, and mm-hmm. keeping score and, you know, buying another yacht or private plane or that kind of the stuff. You know, one of the things that sort of struck me and, and my wife, you know, initially and now, you know, as we get deeper into the, the veteran community, and, and we're so impressed with, you know, the lack of materiality and, you know, so many people who just have great hearts who want to serve each other, right. And serve the community. And, you know, it's been good for the soul for us, to be honest with you. Uh, we, we always felt a little bit uncomfortable in the sort of wall street world, you know, although we've profited from it ourselves and, you know, it's been, it's been good for us and our family, but, but I think what was missing for us was, you know, what, what you have felt and what I think you continue to feel, right, is the sort of larger sense of purpose. Uh, you know, we say it in many different ways. Like one of the ways we say it is, you know, you sort of reflect, this is a little cliche, but, you know, on your deathbed, nobody cares how much money you made, right? No one's going to care, in my case, how many deals I closed for clients and so forth, right? You, 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 right. You've sort of focused on your family that I do a good job with my family, you know, with my children and, you know, please God, grandchildren. Right. And, and did you, did you leave the place, the world, a better place? Right. Did you, did you have an effect on people? So that sort of sense of purpose, right. Uh, to me is just sort of a lot more meaningful. And we've learned that from our interaction with veterans. And, and I think that's now our journey. That's our sense of purpose now. Uh, for uh, really for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Phil, you touched upon two things that I'm thinking about just from what you just brought up right there. And one was the sense of team that the, um, that our, our military feels that camaraderie, but, and, and when you think of a kind of traditional team. This is such a unique team because the the team that you've assembled has come from every walk of life to join our armed services from inner city, tough neighborhoods to, you know, the rural Midwest or South to, you know, uh, straight out of high school to, people joining after college or higher and you know from every uh walk of life uh different races different religions uh different genders all has a team with common missions and what that uniform and what the military does in that is just amazing people that you may not have ever hung out with 
prior to military service if you weren't in your uniform and how you everyone dresses maybe or does different things in their private life and, and what um, the military does um, with folks really being a team and, and having that uh, team. And then the, the second thing that you mentioned too was uh, about um, Im impact on and what was the impact of your uh, life at the end of the day. And there's, there's so much that can be said about what our veterans have done, uh, what, what they do um, themselves for, for our country, for our freedoms, and uh, for the betterment of, of the world through their sacrifices. Yeah. And uh, just appreciate you uh, bringing up those points. It got me thinking about all sorts of additional things, Phil. Yeah, no, I mean, you said that well. And so I, I'm looking forward to you and I, you know, having these conversations with the veterans we're going to be talking to, right? Better understand, you know, their service, their sacrifice, and, you know, how they're doing after after the service is over, right? Some are doing very well. And unfortunately, some of them in the, in the quiet, you know, there's a lot of stuff in their head. Uh, and then obviously there are some that have, you know, significant uh, disabilities, having lost legs and arms and, you know, been, been shot and, you know, have PTS and PTSD. It's, mm -hmm. there's a lot there and a lot going on. Well, that's, that's why it's such a, uh, I know um, Phil and I are so, proud to be able to host this podcast where we'll be able to uh, share these stories, share these experiences, share these good um, uh, programs and, um, and get out the word about these great organizations. And, and I feel we're, we're both very blessed to be able to co-host this podcast uh, for Homeland Heroes. And, and look forward to those uh, many, many stories to come. Yeah, I'm, yes, and I'm grateful to Homeland Heroes too for giving us this opportunity to to do this. And uh, we together, we do know we're fortunate. We do know a lot of veterans. There's a lot of stories there, and uh, you know, we'll try to keep it even, Dave, between Army, Air Force, Navy, right, Force, <laughs> Coast Guard, but. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of Navy. I'm just warning our audience. So. MOSs. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Different fields. Yeah. Yeah. But looking forward to it. So good stuff. Good stuff. Oh, this podcast is a co-production brought to you by the Homeland Heroes Foundation, an organization dedicated to the reacclimation support of active duty service members veterans and their families in their time of need. And Dairy Cam, who believes a better world starts with a connected community. To learn more, visit homelandheroesfoundation.org and dairycam.org. Follow the Homeland Heroes Salute on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for listening and make sure you subscribe to the Homeland Heroes Salute wherever you listen to podcasts. The views expressed by our guests and others are solely their own.
views expressed in this podcast do not represent any of the uniformed services, the Homeland Heroes Foundation, Dairy Cam, Swim with a Mission, Harbor Care, Veterans First, or any other organization.